this episode i feel has a very powerful message i have the opportunity to learn more about robert wonderlich's story and the consistent theme is staying the course oftentimes as people and men in general when we are encountered with hard uh, trials or tribulations we sometimes want to abandon the course that we're going and look for a new path I think this is a great message for people to understand that when things get tough or when times get hard is to go the course that they have planned out or at least check in with themselves before changing uh, the course or the plan. Hope you enjoy. And uh, I love this interview. Absolutely. Hey, good afternoon uh, to my listeners. I am on, on a Zoom call with Robert Wunderlich. Uh, Robert Wunderlich is my personal coach. I have so much gratitude for him, and I'm thankful that he's on today. Uh, Robert, I'm going to talk just a, a little bit. I'd like to get to know more about you, if you could tell the listeners, but you're an archaeologist, or you, you were 20 years an archaeologist, and you're a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Yeah, as you said, I uh, was a professional archaeologist for about 20 years. Um, I got a master's degree in anthropology um, from the University of Wyoming. Um, and throughout that span, so um, I started archaeology a little bit before I started jiu-jitsu, um, full-time at least. And I've been, I'm a third degree black belt currently. Um, so I've been training almost 19 years now. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, kind of the way in my path, um, those two things kind of were intertwined in my life for a long time. Um, and, uh, I currently don't do too much, um, archeology. span I'm still, I still read articles. I still am actually on a, a board that, you know, helps make, you know, decisions to fund projects or not um in the archaeology realm uh for the colorado council of professional well actually yeah so yeah ccpa so the colorado council of professional archaeologists so um that's how i kind of stay in that a little toe in that water per se um <laughs> and then i also uh continue to flint nap which is to make stone tools um it's just something that i find joy in and kind of allows me to have my my freedom of expression and um, to build and create, you know, things. And those are things that are really important to men, as you know, um, but also the, you know, the feminine archetype within me and just being able to, to allow that artistic side of me to flow, you know, and, um, and I see that in jujitsu as well. So, uh, and then, as you mentioned, also, I'm a men's coach. I'm a certified man and civilized coach through Traver and, um, you know, I've been really diving in hard to my own personal work over the last two and a half years. Um, and yeah, man, that's, uh, kind of where I'm at. Outstanding. I remember a few months ago or a month ago, we were, we were having a conversation and I was telling you, I was like, man, I'm feeling stuck. And, uh, and, and I've been on this journey for 10 months, but it, this, this podcast comes from an idea that you had challenged me on. And I told you, I am building a practice to turn uh, men's pain into power. Mm -hmm. 
we before we started recording you said that there was about two years ago there was a real big shift for you can you can you dive into that and tell me tell me about that well um the source of that pain is actually <laughs> much older than that um you know uh in 2009 um I, my then girlfriend, my wife now, we were both uh, struck by a drunk driver um, and I uh, ruptured a disc in my lower back um, and uh, had emergency back surgery a couple months later. Um, it re-ruptured and then within another six months, my dad was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer um, and he passed that following January. So kind of within a year, um, I had some <laughs> really big shifts in my life um, and I didn't know how to deal with it, man. I was 30 years old, you know, 29 years old and 30 years old respectively um, through those two really big events. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I felt alone. I felt um, isolated. I felt uh, like nobody could really understand what I was going through. Um, I continued to remove myself from all the things that I really held dear. Um, including jujitsu. I, I didn't go, you know, I rep tournaments in that time, but for the most part, I just, uh, I really just shrunk. Um, and I stayed that way through the birth of our two wonderful children, my wife and I, um, you know, and uh, really struggled just uh, tons of physical pain, tons of emotional pain. And, um, you know, I think like many of us men find ourselves, we just uh, continue to kind of drive forward without seeking help. Or um, for me, it was like, I can do this on my own. I don't need help. I'm, you know, like I teach jujitsu and I've studied neurolinguistic programming and I just need to continue to read books. And, you know, like that's, that's going to solve it all. And um, <laughs> yeah, those, those, things, uh, those things don't work so well. Um, we, we truly need some brotherhood. Um, and it wasn't really until, um, until I found my mentor and dear friend Griff that, um, he used to spend, you know, every Tuesday and sometimes twice a week with me on the mats. And yes, we would do some jujitsu together. He's a, uh, hoist Gracie black belt. And, um, we would continue to refine some of the self-defense techniques of jujitsu with each other. But then, you know, we'd also really have these conversations about my anger and um, about how I'm showing up in my relationship. And we had conversations like that for years, man, um, you know, and he just showed up for me in such an, uh, an amazing way. Um, and then in the, really it was about February of 2020, um, I distinctly like remember losing my shit with my kids again and kind of like stomping my way towards them. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a small person. So, you know, two <laughs> small children, um, you know, just cowering and watching my anger, you know, it wasn't even my anger, just being aggressive with them um, through anger, allowing my anger to become aggressive and suppressive and, just seeing the fear in their eyes and, um, you know, like that, that was massive for me. And I knew that I needed to start to make some shifts and some changes, but I just didn't know what those were yet. And then a month later, uh, my business was shut down because of COVID. 
So um, and then we were all stuck inside for a couple months. And um, I was really in the shit in that moment, man. I was very reactive. Um, and uh, a buddy of mine recommended that I start doing some meditations. So he, he sent me some uh, links to Joe Dispenza and I started with that and then moved from Joe Dispenza to some other just meditations. And then slowly but surely, I think I just started looking up some like men's work and, you know, like came across Traver and um, I'll never forget in June of 2020, I drove up to Wyoming to like, cause we had purchased a quarter cow and went up to like go pick it up and listen to like 13 hours straight of Traver's podcast. And on that drive decided to reach out to him and, you know, start the process of like really some profound change. So. So you, you mentioned um, back in 2020 when you had lost your, when, when you were very angry and you kind of lost your composure with your kids, you talked about being alone in that moment. Can you, can you take me back in the, the following days, weeks, uh, months, when you found that brotherhood, when you found that um, the men's work, how you evolved or how you shifted as a man and what you noticed maybe changed a little bit or, or became um, conscious competence or, you know, tell me, tell me kind of a little bit more about that. Um, it took time, man. It wasn't, it wasn't a couple months for sure. Um, and that was frustrating to me. Uh, so I ended up hiring Traver as a coach, as my personal coach in June of 2020. Um, and then I had a couple sessions with him and then he invited me to take part in his course going on that summer called Head, Heart and Balls. Um, and uh, just had some major, major shifts, man. You know, like I became sober. I stopped smoking weed. I stopped drinking um, for those six weeks because I was a part of the course um, and ask of the course. And then I decided to continue, you know, and those first three weeks were, they were so hard, man. I was getting barely any sleep, you know, because my mind was racing and that's why I would use, you know, marijuana to sleep was, you know, basically right before to go to bed. Okay take a little hit and then be able to actually fall asleep. But what I was doing was numbing myself from all the feelings and all the, you know, things that I was suppressing in my life, all the stuff that I was shoving in my shadow, um, my relationship at that time and how, you know, like I was treating those around me. Um, and really I just needed to kind of take the veil off and, and expose those things and really um, open myself up to just process through, process through the pain that I mentioned from, you know, the physical pain of, of surgery and the portions of that, that, you know, like, um, that really, you know, impacted me. Um, I've had several bouts in my life, um, with suicidal, you know, um, thoughts and just, um, you know, things along those lines. And, uh, one of those was, in 2012, man, I never forget, like, um, to the, from the outside. And that's the thing is like, we're so accustomed to just being able to, we feel what we feel, but we never understand what others are going through. And, um, from the outside, man, it looked like the perfect year for somebody, you know, like I, we bought our first house together. My wife and I, we got married that July. Um, I, 
successfully hunted my first elk that year. I got my black belt in that December, you know, of 2012. And throughout that entire year, almost daily, I would pull into my driveway and think about ways to, to no longer be here. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, to move through that pain and to move through the depths of those things and to then take those next steps to understanding what those roots are and where those, you know, some of these thoughts come from, from not just the trauma that occurred recently, but the wounding and possible trauma that occurred from childhood. So um, I would say that it's been, <laughs> been a lot of work over the last two and a half, you know, a little more than two and a half years, um, multiple therapists, multiple coaches, um, multiple times going to, you know, the uncivilized initiation. Um, and I'm, I'm just continuing on, man, just continuing on to that, continue that process. Cause it's, it's truly something that's going to be lifelong for me. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's great that you mentioned the uncivilized initiation. Um, I just went to my second, uh, we, we finished yesterday and I, I said something in that group that, uh, the fabric of who we are changes when we heal in community with other men. As you've talked about the brotherhood aspect of it, how has it changed and, and how, how has healing and brotherhood helped you? Like what, what comes up? What are some things that you um, is beneficial of healing and brotherhood or coming in uh, in community with other men and taking this step forward uh, rather than the, the lone wolf mindset? Well, man, I think that it's important to, to state that like I had a lot of brotherhood around me. Um, you know, I have another really good friend, John, um, that was also there through a lot of this and really helped me through, you know, talk through a lot of these things. And um, he's done a lot of men's work also. So he's done um, some mankind projects and, you know, groups along those lines. And he was always, he's always been somebody that showed up for me in those realms. Um, as someone who's done jujitsu for, you know, about half his life, um, I have a ton of quote unquote brotherhood, you know, I've got a ton of, you know, men and women around me that, that share that passion and share similar goals and things along those lines. But um, jujitsu is also a place where I can avoid talking about some of those things where I can create the, you know, to bypass, um, I can go and just train and forget about my problems and then immediately just pick them up again, right as I leave the door. So uh, for me, it's really come to the realization that it's the combination of both of these spheres, that jujitsu can push the envelope in so many beautiful ways and it can bring up things in you and it can really expose a lot of things in you. Um, but without some of the tools to like really help you process through some of those things and without other people that are conscious in their own journeys, then some of that stuff can go unresolved, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's what I would, I would say. Um, that answer your question, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And, and it actually, you, you went where I wanted to go with it because, you know, you are um, a third degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I wanted to, you, you just touched the surface of like how that correlates to men's work or just doing the work, even if you're a woman, right? So like doing the work, but in men's work, how is, how is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, correlate with your your journey in men's work um jiu-jitsu is 
is life. And I don't say that in the way that like, oh, jujitsu is life and that's all I have. Like it, I mean that in the sense that the way that jujitsu correlates to life um, is profound. The way that jujitsu correlates to the work is profound. Um, you know, it's, there's so many correlations. We, we fail all over the place in life, you know, and we fail all over the place on the mat. You get tapped a bunch and you have to learn how to pick yourself back up and shake it off and continue to train and not let it get you down. And, you know, so um, I think with both spheres, both inner work and um, with jujitsu, I've kind of got a formula that, you know, helps people kind of realize that they're all, they're very similar, but perseverance plus repetition over time equals success. You know, like it's gotta be those things. It's gotta, perseverance is what leads you to take the next step always. Like the, all the voices that we hear, all the things that we, all the resistance that we feel to, you know, going the path that we know in our gut that we need to take. And, oh, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. Or, you know, Netflix is calling my name. I'm gonna go sit down and binge something. And, you know, when you know deep down inside, man, like, Ooh, I really want to make sure that I get this out into the world or I want to, I want to show what my unique vision is in the world or, you know, um, the way resistance shows up is, is pretty profound. You know, like I've heard someone say that, you know, it's like when you quit drinking um, and the moment you quit drinking, you've made that decision in your head. And then 15 minutes later, your best friend calls and you're like, Hey dude, the bar down the street's having two for ones. Let's go. And you're like, I literally just decided <laughs> to stop drinking. Like, where the hell yeah. is um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, jujitsu pushes envelopes in ways that you just may be able to shelter yourself from in real life and vice versa. Like in the work shelters, you know what I mean? Exposes you in ways that jujitsu just doesn't get to in some other ways. Does that make sense? Yes. So being able to become comfortable being uncomfortable is one of the most important things that I think all of us can learn. Um, now, that doesn't mean that once you're comfortable being uncomfortable, that it actually is comfort, right? It's just that you now know and live within that realm of discomfort instead of always seeking comfort. I think seeking comfort is one of the most destructive things that we have in modern society, honestly. Um, that we want things to be easier for us, that we have this expectation that things are supposed to be, you know what I mean, come to us in a flash. Um, you know, the, the kind of Amazon Prime mentality of, of today. Uh, but I read a book, so therefore I should be better at it now. Um, or, you know, and I was, I was a part of it, man. Um, I had those same expectations, you know, so I'm not speaking above anyone in this, in that statement. Absolutely. I, I've heard you say this many times, and I love this um, thought that you have, and I'd like you to dive in into it, not just, you know, in the men's work realm, but how it's played a key part in your journey. Uh, unconscious incompetence to conscious competence. And I know there's more to that. But I, you, you've mentioned this to me multiple times. I've heard you speak to other men multiple times. And how profound of a statement that is, and how it's played a journey in your role or a role in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of going back to the formula, 
of perseverance plus repetition over time equals success. Okay, so um, the way neurologically we learn is um, we don't know what we don't know, right? So that would be labeled unconscious incompetence. We literally are not conscious about what we don't know. So therefore, how can we learn any? How can we learn anything about it if we don't even know it exists in the world? Okay, so when we, so I'll use a jujitsu example. So it's like, it's that feeling that I'm sure you had, I had when before I went to jujitsu is like, I have no idea what I'm getting into. And you know, the feelings of anxiety, like what are they gonna do to me? Am I just gonna get beat up? Are they gonna hurt me? You know, and we just didn't know what we didn't know. And then the second that you walk into an academy and you do your first move, that first move that you've done in jujitsu is now moved from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, meaning that at least you know that it exists in the world. <laughs> I know that a cross collar choke actually exists in the world. I don't really know how to do it yet because I've gotten six reps in class tonight or 12 rep repetitions in class tonight. But hey, at least I know it exists in the world and the possibility of getting better at it is there. I know that if I put more time and effort into it through many more repetitions, then I can move into that next realm, which is now moving it to conscious competence. Okay, so you've done enough, you've had enough perseverance to continue to rep, do it repetitiously, but now you've moved it into conscious competence. So now you know that it exists and now you know how to do it to a level of proficiency. Does that make sense? It does. Now, this is where it's really profound. When we have many, many conscious reps towards competency, then we can, then it moves to the unconscious competence to where we no longer have to consciously think about it. And we do things like that every day in life, Alex. So this morning, I mean, I'm assuming you took a shower this morning. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I, this, is, this is an example that everyone can think of. It doesn't matter what age, um, everyone takes a shower. But when you were in that shower this morning, did you actually think about the shower? What you needed to do in the shower? Did you I didn't. I did not right? like, Hey, I'm going to pick the bar up, par of soap up in my right hand. And I'm going to start on my left hand and I'm going to work my, you know, and then you, you wash yourself. Did you consciously think about any of those steps? No, I did not. Because you've done it every single day of your adult life for the most part and portions of your childhood, right? That's uncon that's conscious, right? Unconscious competence. That is literally you not having to think about something. And now you're thinking about, man, I've got to do this today. I'm going through my to-do list. I've got to get my kids ready to do this. I've got to pick up this today, right? You're thinking about everything other than the shower. So much so that you get done with your shower and you're like, oh, where am I? Like, oh, okay, now it's time to turn off the shower and actually get going, right? Does that make sense? And somehow you've cleaned yourself through that process. It does. Can you tell me, can you tell me how that's kind of played a role in your uh, journey and, and what you've experienced over the last two and a half years? Or as you mentioned at the beginning, it, it runs deeper than two and a half years. 
uh, however that's played a part in your journey? Um, so for me, it's understanding and always kind of having the quote unquote white belt mentality with things that we learn new concepts, we learn new, we gain new tools, we gain a better understanding of how to approach ourselves, how to be in relationship, how to be parents, how to, um, how to heal really, right? And it's, we can gain those things or those things can be shown to us by others or they can be revealed to us in ourselves but if we just pick them up that once and then we set it down, like we've got some, like we've, you know, in some kind of way, just been like, oh, okay, I got it, right? And then you set it back down and then you don't pick it up again and you don't rep it, then it's gonna die. It's not gonna be something that it becomes a part of you. You stymied the process because really the most important aspect of everything that I've just mentioned from unconscious incompetence and then moving it to unconscious competence is really ensuring that we get the reps all the way through and that there aren't, there aren't too many reps, right? That's how mastery is done. Mastery is taking something and just knowing that you're going to get better at it by committing to it every day. Like I don't like my bottom line and what I personally do what I personally do is that perseverance in is a disguise for intent my intent every day is to wake up and ha like do the work for me so my intent daily is to do the work to do inner work and then at the end of every day to have some form of self-reflection how did I do today how did I show up today did I show up well today? And then even knowing that I may not have, maybe I lost it with my kids again. Maybe I had something, you know what I mean? I fell apart and I didn't use the tools that I've gained. So then understanding to have some grace and compassion for myself in that moment, to truly bring some understanding that like I'm a human being and I'm working through patterns that have been there for years. And I'm working with some really strong forces that are within me that have been habitually repped over and over and over again. And now I've got a couple hundred reps here, but I've got hundreds of thousand reps here. And my expectation is, is that because I have a couple hundred reps in this new direction that somehow I'm just supposed to fall, you know what I mean? Fall away from this other thing that happens. So really forgiving myself for falling back into that, but not even forgiving myself, but just having some grace. Hey, I'm, I'm okay. And it's okay to make mistakes and then have some compassion. Hey, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a human being. I make flaws. This is a part of my whole process. Hey, I fell down today, but today I'm going to right right now, because I took the moment to self-reflect, I'm picking myself up. So in that day, I've still been successful in doing the work. Even if it's just that 1% better. I'm now that much better than I was the day before. And then following up 
consciously the next morning, hey, I remember what happened yesterday. Okay. Let's walk into this day, you know, not denying it, not saying, well, anything I, I don't, everything I'm going to do today, I don't want to do that. But knowing, hey, I'm going to wake up with the intent to do the work again today. I'm going to show up for my kids differently. I'm going to show up for my family differently. I'm going to have the way that I show up in the world is going to be different. And those things add up. And then that's when, you know, and it's hard, man. It's hard for our psyche, especially in the day and age that we live and the culture that we live for us to see that as value. Because it just feels like we're not getting anywhere and we're just on this eternal plateau, right? But in reality, man, it's just a really small hill, but that hill is still, we're still gaining pieces. And what happens unconsciously is that so our conscious mind is like our ram on a computer right and our unconscious mind is like our hard disk okay so like our unconscious mind has a hundred terabytes we'll just call it it's massive it's got this massive amount of storage and our ram you know it's like maybe 512 megabytes like to process the information it just we just don't have a lot of a lot of space in our ram we can't keep a lot of things going all at the same time, right? We get stressed or we may become overwhelmed. Um, so just understanding that our unconscious mind is literally on 24 seven, 365. It's taking in information all the time. And those little 1%, it's in the background, underneath the surface, putting these little 1% together. And I know that we've all experienced this. This is why I love jujitsu. I love teaching jujitsu. It's one of my favorite things about jujitsu is we've all had that aha moment, right? Where it just clicks, where something in our mind shifts and we're like, ah, ah, there it was the whole time, but it wasn't there the whole time. What actually was now is that it's all those 1% added up together that now has created a picture that we can understand. And it's made this massive shift. And now we feel like we're on this you know, huge incline up. And then what do you know, we come along life and feels like we're on another plateau and we just can <laughs> the rest in. I, um, I resonate with the framework you just talked about of having grace and compassion, right? Um, for me, that was, that's one of the biggest hurdles that I have in this work. And so I want to flip, flip the question on you and, and ask, Throughout this process, what is one of the biggest hurdles uh, you faced, either internally, externally, and how have you overcome that? <laughs> There's so many men. Um, imposter syndrome, uh, inner critic, uh, just access to my heart you know, being able to lead from and have equal and equal access to my head, my heart, and my balls to show up in the world authentically. Um, there's so many and every single one of them, you know, like I still deal with. It's just not to the degree that I did two and a half years ago or not to the degree that I did three months ago or two weeks ago because I'm still continuing to work through the process, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, none of us, none of us are above any of these things. I still see therapists to this day. I still see, I still hire coaches, you know, like, um, for instance, I named my year for 2020, the year of emotional extrication to grace. So I literally spent the year looking through the frame of grace and compassion that when I messed up, when I fell down to literally come back to that frame and be like, as hard as it was sometimes to be on a, you know, like five day span where I was just like falling and hitting my face over and over again. So then after those five days, just coming back to that space of like, all right, brother, I mean, let's get back to this understanding that we must have some grace and some compassion. We must bring that into the fold. So therefore we can actually take steps forward instead of just being trapped in that container of, of just self-criticism and the inner critic shame, really. That's what it is. That's what it truly is. is there's something wrong with me. I shamed the hell out of myself for many, many years. We're really good at that, I think, as men. So, and I'm no different. <laughs> Absolutely. I, um, with the hundreds of men that we have come in contact that we, we know, you know, together, I'm pretty sure, fairly sure that about 90 to 95% would really, when they, when they think of Robert Wonderlick, they would wait, they would think about the depthness of how you interact with people. And what I mean by that is I, yesterday when we were at the initiation and you gave us this, this lesson on the land that we were at, it was, it was just so deep and so intentional and so impactful. I want you to talk to the side of how archaeology, I don't want to lose that because I feel like that is a big part of you, how archaeology has a played a, a factor into all of this. So, um, man, we got to know where we came from. We gotta know as human beings, like what we've done. We've like, now Noah, like I'm starting to get goosebumps. So thank you for this question. Um, and we're standing on the shoulders of thousands and thousands of generations of people who came before us that literally, it could have been the difference between one snowstorm and that wiped out a small group of people 15,000 years ago that we literally couldn't be here to experience what we get to experience on a daily basis as humans. That the chances of us being able to experience this life and have a connection to that collective unconscious, the things that pull us to want to be out in nature, the things that pull us to want to understand to greater depth where we came from and who we are. That like, I mean, the industrial revolution is a, it's a snap of the finger, man, in the relative scheme of how long we have as hominids, right? As, as human beings have been on this planet in the various forms that we've, you know, um, evolved through, if that, if that makes sense. So just understanding that like, Connection is something that we so badly want now, but connection is something that we had just an abundance of then. 
that hunter gatherers, hunter gatherers, people who we think would have just like barely been eking, you know, in existence and wouldn't have had much joy in their life because man, they would have just been working all the time. And man, they would have had to go and like deal with this. And could you imagine raising children? And could you like imagine birthing children? Like all these things, but like to just see um, the variation, like Wade Davis is amazing anthropologist, um, Canadian anthropologist, and he wrote uh, uh, The Wayfinders. And he like makes a statement in that book that's just so profound to me that all the different languages and all the different representations of culture are just the varying degrees of how we humans have solved the equation to just show up on this planet. It's just this, this myriad of different things that we've all chosen to do, you know, as, as a response to just being conscious beings on this blue ball that, you know, spins around a, a disc in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and just to know, like, to look back, I mean, my, my family and I were fortunate to go to um, London and Paris this last, you know, couple months, about a month ago, and um, to go to the Louvre and to go to the Mu British Museum and to um, see the artifacts that are held there and to see the level of mastery that people had 4,500 years ago, to see the level of mastery that people had 15,000 years ago, to you know, just the beauty that we as human beings can produce. We are so inundated in just negative stuff most of the time. I mean, just read headlines and how sensational they are, and you know, like all of these things and to kind of take a step back from that and just to see how beautiful we can be. Um, you know, to go back to that hunter-gatherer analogy of, on average, ethnographically, so ethnographically means that study of cultures that, not really current today, but in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, anthropologists went and studied, you know, nomadic tribes and hunter-gatherer tribes, you know, in Africa and the Arctic and other areas, Aborigines in Australia, and looked at their life ways and recorded those things and recorded how long they would take to gather, you know, their resources in a given day. And on average, man, hunter-gatherers work 12 hours a week. On average. You know what the rest of that time was spent? Was spent in community. Was spent connected with others. Was the sharing of ceremonies, the sharing of experiences, the sharing of oral traditions the connection through all the generations. Just imagine how different the world would be if we went to just this small little, you know, we took some steps back, quote unquote, you know, and really just like gained more of that. I mean, isn't that what the initiation is? Isn't that what so many of these other things represent is us coming together and truly dusting off the parts of us as humans that we just so long for, you know, that we've just buried because of the cultural ideals that we have currently.
I tell you, man, I, I always love listening to you talk about this because there is so much passion behind it. And and I had this conversation in the car um, when we were we were on our way to the ranch to do some equine therapy about our in, the indigenous culture and all these um ceremonies and traditions that if we just implemented or, or brought them into our society today how things would change and that could be a whole different podcast in itself and I don't want to lose sight of that because I think there is importance in, in bringing back to community and ceremony and connection and all of that and can uh, I just say though it's not in a way that's like cultural appropriation like it doesn't have to necessarily be someone else's culture just do some research because we all did these things it's not just like we just think of groups that were in more recent history had some of these traditions. But dude, Europeans, you know, for myself, I'm a European mutt, you know, like I'm all kinds of different European. Um, but all of those groups had traditions. All of those groups had ceremony. Just, just get curious. Just become curious, you know, like what kind of traditions did they have? you know, before the industrial, even just before the industrial revolution, even before medieval times, like just think about how cool the Roman empire was, you know, like just, you know, in some ways, not always, um, but you know, to just what kind of traditions did they have 2,500 years ago, 2,200 years ago, you know, like it, you don't have to do too much research and you can find some things that, you know, really resonate with you and, and become a part of your life if that makes sense so absolutely like picking things up that you know for i would say a lot of americans we kind of use native americans as this you know what i mean like as a way to do things and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever but i'm also as an anthropologist very cautious about about things like cultural appropriation right about things that like i don't i don't want to cross those boundaries um, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, I wanted to highlight uh, something that it just stuck out to me uh, yesterday at our closing ceremony and, and Michael Gay, who he, me and him talked, he'll be on future podcasts, um, said that if you look at, um, if you look at the world in a hundred foot rope, we are the last half inch of that rope. The industrial revolution is like probably the last half to a quarter inch of that rope like just to think of it in that that aspect i'm like wow like mind blown so here's a good example for you um so the romans invented concrete i mean they there there's piers there's under i mean they learned how to make concrete that set in salt water in ocean water which is like crazy and there's still things that exist today from 2200 years ago in the Mediterranean that they built. Now, is, are they, you know, are there some ruins? Yeah, but there's still parts of it that are there. We lost the recipe as human beings. We lost the recipe for concrete. Like the whole Middle Ages didn't have concrete for us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't reinvented until like 1860 or mid 1800s by Portland, right? Cement in the UK until mid 1800s holy shit that's crazy i didn't know about that that's um so just think about that's just one piece that's just one tiny little example 
I mean, not tiny, but that's what allowed the Romans to have the architecture that they did. But still, it's just one little thing that like we lost track of. What else have we lost track of? What things can't we see that we lost track of? Sure, we get to see these wonderful monuments and things that the Romans built, but like, what don't we see? And what have we lost track of? You know, I think, I, I don't know why I just keep on going back to Rome, but we have many other things from Rome. I mean, like, I think for men, we're attracted to Stoicism and obviously the Stoics are, you know, Marcus Aurelius and all of those folks were, um, Rome um, represented in that time period, but um, but yeah, does that make sense though? It does, it does. And let me let me get back a little bit because, like I said, I I could go on this topic with you, and I think maybe in a future podcast we should because there there's a lot of uh, juice where this is at. Uh, going back to your journey, I I just I want to if you could give yourself any advice. And I know that we're talking about a, a two years ago and, and a specific pain point. At any point, it could be two years ago, it could have been 12 years ago um, when you had the car accident. What advice would you give yourself or anybody in your situation? Um, first, I would say you're not alone. Um, it's important that we know that we're not alone. Others may not completely understand what we're going through, right? Like, um, but at least they can show up for you in other ways. That to just be able to reach out to other people and talk, to take just the smallest first step. And then understanding that it's just really just those continuation of those small steps throughout, even after you quote unquote fail or fall, or I'm just, I'm not someone who believes that we take steps backwards. I think that we can take some lateral steps. I think we can take some pauses sometimes, um, but there is no real going back. Like you can't go backwards in life because um, there's literally only one constant in life and that's change, right? Like, <laughs> so, um, just continuing to move forward, man, to reach out for support, to understand that there are people who can help you understand what you're going through, to where it doesn't have to necessarily be someone who knows exactly what you're going through, but someone who can better, who can help you help it's like a lighthouse. Put it this way. It's like there's those people who were like a lighthouse in your life. The lighthouse is there, but you still got to navigate the waters. You still got to avoid the, the areas where you're going to wreck your ship on, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So understanding that there are lighthouses out there, understanding that there are people who can help guide you, but you got to do the work. Like in jujitsu, man, I teach jujitsu every day. And I tell my students this all the time that like jujitsu is yours. It's your jujitsu. I'm, I show jujitsu, but I don't want you to do my jujitsu because it's impossible for you to do my jujitsu. That's mine. That's the way that I view it. My body, it does it. My mind works through those 
those problems to solutions, right? Like without doing the reps, you're not going to get better at it. So there's that piece that there's also those men and those women that will help hold you through some of those really hard times. And if you do run aground, that there are those men and those women that can help you repair the shit, that can help you heal, that can help you bail some water. So then you can continue on your journey. Whew. I love that. I want to, um, my last question, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Give you, I want to give you two to three minutes. No, you know, you, your floor and go. <laughs> two to three minutes for what <laughs> well, uh, whatever whatever you want to talk about it could be your journey it could be the a teaching point I, I always do this with people just so they can close on on something that resonates with them and their journey stay the course because it's worth it just stay the course amazing things happen when you just keep on moving forward. And don't forget to pause every once in a while and soak it in and to be grateful for those, those moments. Um, for me, one of the biggest lessons that I've taken from this work is the, you know, my pattern of behavior used to be like this very short, wavelength of like ups and then extreme downs and then extreme ups and then you know like and it was day to day and it was week to week or it was month to month it just depended all over the place right through doing the work i've been able to cut out the highest of highs i've been able to cut out the lowest of lows i've been able to shrink that graph now and i've been able to shorten the wave knowing that like I personally, and I think I spoke about this to you the other day. You did. Um, really getting to the rhythm to where I know no matter what, life is going to have ebbs and flows. And in fact, I want them. I want the highs. I want the lows. I need them so I can learn from them. And truly, I don't believe in our highs that we gain much right? It's just a high, like things are working for you. We've all been there. It's like in a flow, you know, you're just, man, everything's working. Everything I touch turns to gold. This is amazing, right? So you're not really challenged. You're not rubbing up against anything. And really what brought you there was that, was challenge and having to, you know, rub up against edges and all of that stuff. Lowest of lows, I believe in the same thing. It's like you're getting crushed by life and it's hard to see any light and it's hard to find a direction and everything along those lines. But I think they just become shorter and truly on the way up after a low on the incline and on the decline is where we, that's where the juice is. That's where we really gain the most knowledge about ourselves and how to move forward. Um, yeah, man, that's what I'll, I'll kind of end on. <laughs> So beautiful. You did tell me that. And it's been so impactful listening to it a second time. Uh, I want to I want to for anybody that's listening that 
this, everything that Robert is talking about, I first want to be his first advocate and say that what he does, uh, does challenge you as a man and you will see change if you, if you choose to have him as your coach. Right. And so Robert, anybody that is, is resonating with this podcast and, and wants to reach out, how can they reach you? Um, I'm on most, I'm on several social media platforms. I don't really check Facebook too much. Um, I, I dropped that one a couple years ago, really. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just too much in some ways. Um, <laughs> I am on Instagram um, at wonderbjj99, and that's with a U, not with an O, so W-U-N-D-E-R-B-J-J-99. Um, you can email me at um, robert at arvadajujitsu.com. Um, whether you're interested in doing work as far as coaching goes and or if you're interested in, in the Arvada area, Denver area to do some jiu-jitsu, um, I'm available too. I know that um, in the nation, you've heard me say this numerous times, but my virtual door is open. Um, I'm, uh, that's how I do show up in the world um, is to show up like I lead through conscious service, you know, um, and that that's my leadership kind of um, guide, if that makes sense. So, Absolutely. I just want to say thank you once again for coming on. The impact that you've had, not just on me and, and this journey that I'm on, but the impact that you've had on men around that I've witnessed. We need more men like you that are, that are willing to do the work and willing to, like you said, stay the course. And so I just want to say thank you for coming on the, on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to the future uh, talking about anything, uh, archaeology, uh, what may come. Alex, um, first off, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm hearing that. I'm receiving it. Um, that's been part of my work is to accept those things. So I'm, I'm very graciously accept that and um i'm humbled by what you had to say so thank you for that um and guys alex is also a men's coach um if there's things that you know he can help you with he's also someone who i know authentically shows up in the world to help others so um reach out to him also give a like to the podcast um you know help share it put it out there in the world so um i appreciate you having me on um, and brother, it's an, it's truly an honor to work with you and, um, and to, yeah, be in this space with you. So I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much, Robert. We'll talk soon. Absolutely.